0: Hey folks, it's Seb here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge that this podcast is created, recorded, and distributed on the land of the Kulin Nations, and I pay respect to Elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thanks, y'all. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to providing educational content on a range of different social issues. Each fortnight, I'll be joined by a special guest to discuss that episode's issue, as well as provide handy tips for living on res. This week, we're we're discussing what it's like to be asexual and aromantic. I'm Sebastian, one of the academic RAs at Jack and today I'm joined by Thomas. Please feel free to introduce yourself.
1: Hi, uh, I'm Thomas, or Tom. Uh, I live in Giacomo, as Seb said, and I've been here since the start of the year. Uh, Before that, I spent a year living in Deakin, so old res. Um, I'm in my fourth year of uni total, doing an arts degree, majoring in philosophy, and I'm going to be here for at least another two years, based on how things are going, because I mucked it up just a little bit, but more time at uni, more time hanging out with friends, good fun.
0: I totally feel that and I'm on you with that. I like picked up a French diploma at one point and then dropped a French diploma at one point, And it's just like, <laughs> everything's a bit muddled up, but you know, we're getting there. We're getting there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so let's just jump right into it. So what is, so you identify as both being aromantic and asexual, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so what is aromantic and When did you realize that you were aromantic? Um,
1: I think it's, unfortunately, the best way I have of describing aromantic is to kind of put it in terms of asexuality, because people are more familiar with that. Sure. Um, Which is, you know, not the best way of doing it. But um, I I think people tend to have some idea of what asexual is, which is uh, lacking sexual attraction to other people. And aromantic is similar to that in that it's lacking a different form of attraction so I, I personally don't feel romantic attraction to other people I'm not interested in getting into relationships I don't have crushes things like that
0: mm. that's really interesting yeah uh, and so um, I guess yeah one of my follow-up questions was does being aromantic affect how you approach relationships but then that obviously you just said oh, it, you don't yeah <laughs>
1: It it naturally it affects how I um, approach relationships. They both do because um, you know relationships are about uh, interacting with people in a way that you're both comfortable with, and the things that I'm comfortable with are, you know, not things that most people are looking for. A lot of people are interested in having monogamous romantic relationships, and that's not for me. Which means, you know, like dating is very difficult <laughs> yeah <laughs> a very little amount of dating that i want to do because there's no very few people are looking for what i'm looking for
0: yeah so is do you have an idea of what you're looking for like is it still like um dating within monogamy or is it beyond that kind of framework
1: i don't like monogamous or not doesn't really matter to me like yeah yeah. I I could see myself I don't, I don't even think like dating is the right word cuz dating tends to imply some form of romance but I I could see myself with like a best friend roommate that I sometimes have sex with and maybe have kids with that you know looks like the kind of stereotypical nuclear family but has a different dynamic I can I could see yeah. that happening. I don't necessarily think it's going to but yeah mm. I'm, I could also see myself participating in some kind of I don't know on the outskirts of some kind of weird polyamorous multiple people thing but you know again I don't I don't necessarily think that's likely but it it wouldn't matter to me either way I don't think
0: yeah yeah for sure um yeah so when did you um kind of come to terms that you were either uh, like um asexual or and aromantic, Like were they at the same time or different times? No, okay.
1: no, they were not at all at the same time. Um, I started looking into aromanticism in 2018. I think yeah. around June-ish, um, but it, it didn't really sink in. It didn't really like, and I, I I didn't I didn't properly identify with it until maybe the start of the next year. Um yeah. So at, at the time when I started looking into it, I was in a romantic relationship, and I had been for several months. Um, and I'd been in one previously as well that had lasted six months, so fairly serious. Yeah. And I don't know, it just it just never really occurred to me that I wasn't straight. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just assumed that, you know, I, I was just like everyone else because, you know, what are the chances that I'm not like everyone else? wouldn't Slim to none, right? But um, I, don't know, I, I think one of my friends sent me this, like, list of 50 questions um, that all started with, you might be aromantic if, and I answered yes to, like, 30 of them, mm. which was enough for me to be like, huh, maybe <laughs> maybe something's going on here. <laughs> and then when my relationship fell apart, because, you know, turns out I didn't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I started taking it a bit more seriously, and yeah, by, by about the start of next year, I um, decided that, you know, I'm, I'm a romantic, I'm not looking for a relationship, and relationships make me feel trapped, so, yeah. yeah. Um, asexual's been quite a lot more recent. I think I really started identifying with that maybe the end of last year. Yeah. Um, and that's just because asexual is a lot more complicated for me. So, ar- aromantic, I, I don't have very many issues with. I think it's it's, it's very simple in that um, lacking romantic attraction is ex- pretty much almost exactly what's going on for me. You know, there's, there's a little bit of, like, wiggle room and labels. And, you know, it's, it's not quite right, and I'll probably get into that a little bit later. But it's, it's very close, and I can say, yep, I'm aromantic and move on. Yeah. Um, but asexual is more complicated because I'm not... Just asexual saying i'm i'm just asexual doesn't really convey what's going on um, i'm ace flux, which means that sometimes i 'm asexual and sometimes i'm not asexual at all, and a lot of the time i'm kind of stuck in the middle somewhere, yeah of like you know being okay with sex if it would happen but not actively seeking it out and it took me a lot longer to reconcile the fact that. You know, sometimes I want to have sex, but I can also be asexual.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, And I guess, like, we'll get into misconceptions and myths a bit later on as well. But there's definitely that kind of, um, I think, all or nothing mentality. Like, it's black or it's white. It's either you want sex all the time or you don't want sex at all. And that's what asexual is, like, only limited to. But there's, like, a whole, like, spectrum of, like, um, at least that's how I perceive it of like yeah no, where I you, would, like sit absolutely. i
1: I thought the same before I looked into it and started i have been playing with it. i hundred percent thought the same I thought you know i I can't be asexual, I experience sexual attractions sometimes, but you know there's there's just there's just more to it than that,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely, um, and so kind of similar does the does being asexual affect? how you approach sex and or relationships? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: It makes it really complicated because, you know, like I said, I, I am interested in having sex sometimes, yeah. but not all the time. And it, it makes it really difficult to um, set, you know, reasonable expectations with new people. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, if I'm, if I'm on a, a not ace day, Then I'll meet someone and be like, wow, they're really hot. And I'd kind of like to sleep with them. And then, you know, I might talk to them and, you know, we'll have a little bit of something, something going and we'll take it to messenger. And then, you know, two days later, I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's bizarre. You know, that's, (laughs) that's really difficult to, to kind of manage. And I have to be really upfront about, you know, Hey, you know, this is, this is how things work for me. It's going to be a little weird.
0: Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally, and especially because the norm is very much, I guess, not centered around asexuality or like, um, like, uh, even just like, like being an ace flux or like having that change or shift. Like, it's very much there's like a progression of like, yep, this is things how how things are supposed to go, and like most of us just kind of like live in that like mentality. Yeah. I don't know. So it's it's difficult yeah. to yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, there's um, there's a the relationship escalator. Uh, mm. so there's like, oh, I remember reading a web page on this. But there's there's like eight steps on it or something, and you know you like meet someone and you start dating and you decide that you're committed and then you I don't know, have sex and you get married and you have kids and you move in together and I you know I've shared that all out of order, but there's there's some kind of like standard societal expectation for what happens when you meet someone that you're interested in and yeah. it just doesn't work for me
0: <laughs> yeah i love the the term relationship um what was it relationship escalator escalator that's such a but yeah i totally because like yeah. nothing's like so like that isn't like inherent in nature like it's just one method of like living your life with someone um that like was decided like ages ago that that's the norm, but it, like we can just make decisions based on like you, based on yourself and like the other person and like you can figure that out together. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's so, yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned as well. Um, I hope you don't mind me asking, um, that you, you realizing that, um, like coming to that realization, um, was, um like centered on like you not re- realizing that you weren't straight um so is how do i phrase this like do what, you not straight for me yeah 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 um yeah so I, I probably
1: should have been a little bit more clear about that um,
0: um all good
1: no as in as in like terminology is hard right mm. um i tend to think of not straight as Yeah, Like, the the classic straight person is interested in having sex and relationships with the opposite gender.
0: Hmm.
1: And I'm not that, um, but the, the problem, unlike, you know, gay or lesbians or bisexual people, isn't the gender. The problem is the sex and the relationships. Yeah. So when I am interested in sex, it's with women, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I meant. By not but it doesn't, um, it doesn't fit into the the like um, heteronormative kind of like uh, model, if that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I'm
1: I'm not, I, I am at least sometimes not interested in women in the way that people expect.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Totally. Um. And just on like terms and like labels um i've had a look at, like i vaguely know like allosexual or like zed sexual as like um terms for like people who are not asexual kind of like how um like trans is the opposite to cis you know in very like simple yeah, terms definitely. like is that yeah is there like um,
1: a... i haven't heard zed sexual before okay. but i've heard both allosexual and alloromantic as terms yeah. to describe people who aren't asexual or aromantic respectively that's okay. definitely something it gets brought up in the community i guess as a way of, of describing people that aren't or don't identify with those labels
0: yeah totally i just thought i'd put that out there for like the people listening if like yeah yeah,
1: yeah. that's that's good because i probably will use those words later and mm. now we have a definition
0: for sure um and also, just covering all the bases. So I've witnessed like ace and arrow being used as umbrella terms. Um, is is that like correct? First of all, and what identities yes. are? Exp- yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Hundred um, yep. percent. Um, ace and
1: arrow, mm-hmm. they they can be just that's the label you use. That's what you are. But there are a whole bunch of different modifiers and sub labels and different categories that you could choose to put yourself into. So. For example, mm. I am I'm like ace flux is more right for me than asexual is. Yeah. Because I'm not always asexual, but I'm I'm somewhere on the spectrum. Mm. Um, I'm also for, for aromantic, I tend to go with fray romantic, which okay. is a little bit out there. Um but it means that sometimes I experience some amount of romantic attraction at like the start of when I meet people. And it it goes away very quickly. Okay. So, for me, what that looks like is, um, I I might meet someone pretty, and I will like build up this mental image in my head of them like having all their shit together, and I don't know, being on top of things, and and kind of elevating them onto this unrealistic pedestal, mm. and then like obsessing over them for a little bit, but the more I get to know them as an actual person, the less obsessive I get, the less um, less interested, I guess, I get in them in a romantic kind of way. And yeah. that whole process takes maximum like two months.
0: Okay.
1: So there is, like, there is some amount of interest, but it, it goes away very quickly. And what I found when I was in romantic relationships, because they, they both lost about six months, was that the, idea of having someone interested in me like that was alluring but that once you know once I got to know them better once that that interest ran out in about two months I started feeling trapped I started feeling like I was acting you know I I wasn't being me I was being a version of myself that was disingenuous to kind of you know keep the relationship going and and meet expectations and Mm. it wasn't fun anymore it was it was something that i felt like i had to do and then i I was out yeah because they they became normal people and there's there's nothing wrong with normal people but yeah normal people are better than you know lofty obsessive put them on a pedestal that's that's bad i be doing it
0: i totally can i think empathize with that um at least that process a little bit like i Um, I mean as my therapist knows, um I've I've like the like the whole obsessive kind of like fantasy kind of like world building in my own mind of like, okay, so like I meet someone, then three seconds later I'm imagining what the names of our three children are gonna be, what house we're gonna live in, that sort of like obsessive shit, I totally yeah, I totally feel that. Um and it's it's kind of hard distinguishing between that and then the real person, because oftentimes, like I was just uh, like, not to like lay it all out, but like, I was just like doing this with like a guy over like the holidays. And cause like the pandemic, everything that's going on, I really need like coping mechanisms right now. And what better way than like, uh, you know, obsessive fantasies and stuff. But like, it was like a whole thing where like, I realized that he was actually kind of like pretty boring when i wasn't <laughs> like in the whole fantasy thing and so um yeah um probably not experiencing like the same with the same result or like outcome but definitely like i can empathize to understand. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah and I've, I've also found that knowing this about myself makes it easier to kind of talk to and deal with these people yeah because you know instead of feeling gross and icky with myself for like not being able to stop thinking about them i can tell myself you know just
0: just hang out with them a bit more you'll get over it mm. don't worry about it. You know, yeah. it,
1: it like i said it, it doesn't take very long
0: but. yeah and once you've like had that yeah totally once you've had that like self-awareness and then you can just let yourself be like present and enjoy it and like just ride through it and yeah. stuff yeah, um,
1: I also realized that I went off on this whole tangent without actually defining what Frey romantic was.
0: <laughs> oh, that's totally I just cool. Just, oh, yeah, that
1: for a second, um,
0: of
1: course. romantic is meant to be the opposite of demi romantic. So, okay. demi romantic is much more common and is is kind of a descriptive word for people who don't feel romantic attraction until they already know someone really, really well. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a corollary for tenu which is, you know, the same, but for sexual attraction, you get to know Mm -hmm. someone, you become good friends, you spend a lot of time together. And then off that you go, maybe I want to have sex with this person as opposed to being able to see them and think it, um, yeah. So fray romantic or I guess fray sexual is probably also a thing would be the opposite of that, which is you are interested in them when you see them. And then as you get to know them, it fades away. Yeah is you know kind of what I described so. mm.
0: yeah that's interesting to know because like I I'm I wasn't familiar with very romantic before this but like I know like demi-romantic and like demisexual and stuff so like that's good to like visualize the two yeah yeah
1: and I've, I've seen <coughs> sorry no I've seen um, a very long list in a forum post somewhere of a whole bunch of different kind of sub row or sub asexual kind of orientations that are um, under the umbrella terms of aromantic or asexual, but not quite the term. Mm. Uh, and I there's like I don't, I don't know I can just throw some words at you know there's like least romantic and, and uh, I'm struggling I wish I would brought it up actually mm. on the
0: oh. but I know there's like gray there's, romantic and like yeah a whole yep. bunch yeah there's
1: there's a lot. Like the the list I looked at must have had like 50 different subterms just for the romantic side of things. So there's, there's a lot of wiggle room for, you know, if, if people feel something like this, but aren't sure that it quite applies to them. Like there's a whole bunch of research you can do to, to look at the kind of subtypes and see if anything like that makes more sense to you. So,
0: yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, totally would encourage anyone who's like, even just out of interest or like if you're having like, doubts about current labels that you um express yourself through then definitely like researching it online um yeah um yeah. what does oh, so are you out as um either or both aromantic or ace flux um and what um, does coming out look like for you in terms of that
1: i'm sort of out it It mm. varies by who I'm talking to quite a
0: lot, yeah um, for sure so
1: i earlier this year, in fact maybe maybe last month or two months ago or something, I decided that it was time for some people who didn't know to maybe have that conversation with,
0: yeah,
1: um so I'm recently out to both of my parents mm. um I'm a little bit out to my high school friends, yeah. Uh, That I've explicitly told one of them because you know, I just I thought it was time and he's probably my best friend Um, But I Haven't I haven't actively talked about it with a bunch of them just because it has never really come up Yeah, but you know if if it does then I'll be open and upfront with them because I don't I don't think that they'd take it badly
0: yeah,
1: Um, I Know most most of my uni friends know just because (laughs) the university environment kind of leads to it happening yeah you know, we're we're very open and accepting and there are a whole bunch of people on uni who will just ask you like hey are you not straight
0: <laughs> so mm.
1: i find most most of my uni friends know um aside from my parents my family doesn't so i, mm. I don't have any siblings but there's no way i would talk about this with any of my uncles for example yeah I would I would tell them I I wouldn't have a problem with telling basically anyone that I'm not interested in dating and that I don't plan on you know getting married for example but using mm. specific terms and trying to justify it as an identity there there's some people I have no interest in doing that mm. with because yeah I know that they're it just wouldn't work for them
0: you know yeah and like all the stigma and everything and like probably what they've heard about it isn't accurate or maybe might not line up with yeah like i'm, I'm yeah. not even sure they would have
1: heard of it but yeah i know that some, some of them just wouldn't be accepting mm. you know it, it'd be a thing to to poke at. It. It'd, it'd be a, a circus curio you know yeah and i don't want that I, I, I really yeah you don't need them.
0: that yeah
1: insane one in the family i don't need to yeah
0: yeah i um, guess like being like are you out is such a it's almost like a, a trick question because like you, there isn't really a point where like you're out to like every like you you constantly coming out kind of um as pe- yeah. new people enter your life and you know your re- relationships yeah. change and stuff it's yeah and
1: it's it's extra relevant for me now because you know, obviously the people i met before i started identifying with these there has to be some kind of conversation that sparks like yeah hey you know i'm actually this thing and i found out about it and i thought you should know but mm the the people that I don't know yet, you know, it, it comes up constantly. It comes up every time I meet someone and, you know, they're interested in me or it comes up every time I meet someone and I'm interested in them or, yeah, just, like it, it has to because the way I approach relationships with people I'm interested in is so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to come up when I have to explain why things aren't going to be quote unquote normal.
0: Yeah totally and i feel like i mean i i totally um on like a in a different way like get that with uh like i feel like everyone knows i'm like gay as fuck um but like <laughs> i think like my facebook profile picture is like me and like a bunch of like rainbow like it's but like yeah yeah yes. Um it's and very so important. yes um it's it's kind of like my brand i, I don't know um but i definitely um, with like being, um, cause I'm non-binary and gender fluid. Um, I like, that's not really something that usually like comes up naturally, you know? Um, like even, I mean, I guess like a lot of spaces are very accommodating and it will be like, what are your pronouns and stuff? And I usually like say them, but it's still like, it's not, it's not just like I can slip it into conversation sometimes. Um, yeah. and so and I totally get that with like the the family thing as well. Like I'm, I'm the same. Like with my parents um, and like one of my really close cousins. But like I like I still haven't had that either conversation of, like being gay or being non-binary slash gender fluid with like um, the rest of my family. Um, and like I'm privileged in that I don't think I'd be like executed or anything by them because like the the decent. But it's still like yeah. um, it just. I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird thing coming out. You know. It's. Um. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm I'm kind
1: of in the same boat. I could I could see myself maybe coming out to a couple of my cousins, but mm. like there are other people in the family that just just no. <laughs>
0: yeah. Just no. Yeah. Um. So I guess. Um another kind of quick definition, so what's the split attraction model?
1: Right, yes, I have been talking like I have already explained that, and I haven't oh no um, no
0: <clears throat> no
1: no no it's 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 almost essential to figure out what I mean when I'm talking about asexual and aromantic and the different kinds of attraction because this is this is the thing that talks about different kinds of attraction um so a lot of. Uh, ace or aromantic people find it helpful to kind of think about attraction differently than we usually talk about it so yeah. for a lot of alloromantic and allosexual people you know they can kind of say i'm attracted to this person and everyone knows that means that they want to have sex with them they would probably want to be in a relationship with them they think they're visually appealing you know all these all these different things hmm. um but because we don't experience one or more of those kinds of attraction, we separate out attraction into, you know, different categories. Yeah. So I think, like, explaining how they're different isn't even that complicated. Like, I think most aloes can understand that, you know, sometimes you, you might go to a bar and strike up a conversation with someone that you think is pretty. And then you realize, like, I would definitely have a one-night stand with this person, but there is no way that I would want to date them.
0: Mm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's like that's an experience that I think a lot of people can kind of associate with and What that means is that they have sexual attraction to that person, but not romantic attraction.
0: Yeah
1: Right, you you can you can kind of split up the different attractions and experience them separately from each other
0: Mm.
1: so the most common types of attraction that I've seen talked about in this kind of model are obviously romantic and sexual but also aesthetic Mm. so finding someone visually appealing regardless of whether or not you want to do anything about it Um, emotional you can find people attractive because of their personalities you can want to have an emotional connection with someone without necessarily wanting to date them or have sex with them or you can find them visually appealing yeah Um, Sensual is really interesting because it's about physical intimacy that doesn't involve sex.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and also one of the kind of more weird ones is Ultras, which personally I don't quite understand, but I th- I think it's meant to be some kind of general attraction that some people feel where they, they can't tell if it's it's something in between platonic and Not platonic, and I don't, I'm not 100% sure. It's like wanting wanting to be close to someone and not knowing exactly why, sort of. Yeah. Um, And then there are some other, you know, asexually romantic people who the split attraction model doesn't necessarily make sense for them because they, you know, either they don't experience any of it or they can't tell the individual separations apart. They feel something, but they know that they, you know, don't want to have sex with someone if they don't feel like they want to date someone. So it's mm. it's optional, but it, it helps us to think about the different ways that we can be interested in people.
0: Yeah, totally. Um so what is your experience with the LGBT plus community like as someone who is aro and ACE?
1: Um it's it's a little weird. I this is one of those things where I can't like my experiences here will be different than a whole bunch of other Aero and ice people. For sure. Um, Because uh, what I've, what I found is that queer spaces have a culture Mm. and my personality often doesn't fit with that culture. Okay. So I like to, you know, with, with good friends, I like friendly banter. I like to be able to, insult people in a kind of fun loving way and have it all be a bit of a joke and, and take some of that myself and I find that oftentimes in queer spaces that's not really the thing that you do because there are a whole bunch of other people who have been persecuted for how they feel about themselves how they identify and queer spaces are this like safe haven for them where they they don't have to worry about anyone attacking them or saying anything that is maybe a little questionable um mm. so it's it's a little bit difficult for me to get in for those reasons but uh yeah i've, I've also found that because i spent so long thinking that i was just a regular straight cis guy mm. um it still feels kind of weird acknowledging to myself that you know, yes, I am queer enough to be here. Mm. Like, this is my space. I'm allowed here. And, you know, that's, that's really not helped by the fact that I pass unconscious. I pass without thinking about it, right? Yeah. Like, there's, there's no, no part of how I act or how I choose to present myself says, hey, I'm queer. You know, I don't, I don't have a rainbow in my Facebook profile picture. I don't mm. choose to highlight that part of myself to the general public. So, yeah, I tend to feel out of place for those kinds of reasons. Mm. And I I don't think that's bad. You know, I I think it's really, I think it's important that other queer people who have had these negative experiences have some safe place to go to. But it just ends up not being for me a lot of the time.
0: Mm. Yeah. And do you... um... I guess in many ways the Aro and ace communities are like subsets of like the LGBT plus community, but do you feel like there's more like comfort? There's you're like more, uh, yeah, I guess, comfortable in Aro and ace specific like spaces as opposed funnily to like enough, broadly. Funnily mm. enough. No. Ah, oh, okay. Um,
1: a lot of the reason I feel out of place in ace communities, for example, is because I'm ace flux yeah and that means that sometimes I think and feel and act like I'm not ace at all, mm. and I want to be able to talk about um you know people that I want to have sex with or my sexual experiences, and that's just not really the dumb thing in ace spaces because mm. you know the the general culture of an ace space is that you don't talk about sex because nobody's interested in that
0: yeah
1: um so that's. That's felt kind of bizarre. Um, aero spaces are a little better because I kind of fit the standard assumptions about an aero person a bit better. Mm. But even even then, um, almost all of the aero people I know are intersectional. They're trans or they're neurodivergent or both or they're plural or there's, there's for a whole range of them, there's always, almost always something else going on. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think that's just because not many people know about Aero? You know, like generally you, you find out you're something else first and then you do some investigation into the community mm-hmm. and then you find Aero while you're like, you know, just exploring and figuring out what's going on and you go, oh wait, maybe that's me too.
0: Yeah, I don't think a lot
1: of people find out that they're Aero first. They find out there's something else and then do their research. But mm. that still meant that I I felt like being just Aero meant that I sometimes didn't feel like I was queer enough for even explicitly Aero spaces. Okay. Which is which is mm. not true. Right? That's mm. that's but not true. That's still... I was I was welcome. Yeah. But it still it still felt that way even though it shouldn't have.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um I totally like I feel like often what's branded as like like all these new like millennial millennium wait all these new like millennial or like gen Z like genders or like like this is all in quotation marks you can't see because there's a podcast or like um, <laughs> like attraction like attraction labels and stuff it's they're they're all like I feel like it takes there's a base step of like self-reflection that usually is done by like people who are otherwise marginalized. Like if, like, I feel like, um, you know, like there's, yeah, there's like, you need to like, kind of give up something in order to like, look within i don't know i'm not explaining it well but like i feel like yeah there's like you need to you need to
1: start questioning to be able to find anything
0: yeah yeah a lot of people
1: mm. never get the push to start
0: questioning yeah
1: you know it it took i was like i said i was in a romantic relationship and someone else said hey you should have a look at this because Mm. this describes some of the things you've talked to me about and i went holy shit (laughs) i might not be. Allo romantic, but yeah. it, it took someone else literally saying, "Like, hey, you need to you need to go sort this out." Mm. Um, it just it never would have occurred to me that I wasn't a straight cis guy if I hadn't received that push. And I think there there are a whole bunch of people out there who don't know what a romantic or asexual is, who you know might identify with those labels if they did some soul searching and tried to figure out more about what was going on with themselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, all those stories of like, like older generations, like 60, 70, 80 year olds, like finding like one of these quote unquote new labels and then really identifying with that. It's so like, it's like kind of heartbreaking, but heartwarming at the same time. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's so, yeah.
1: But also like, yeah, the fact the fact that that happens is nice for me <laughs> because it means that i can feel more secure in the fact that my identity really is a thing mm. you know this, this common thing that people say of like you know you just haven't met the right person yet i can kind of say like no you know there's this 40 year old guy that i talk to who's aromantic and isn't interested and he hasn't met the right person like Exactly. He, he still identifies with that despite all of his experience there are these you know 60 70 80 year old people who find out that this is a thing and go oh that makes so much sense now you know like it's it's not some kind of lack of experience thing it, it
0: yeah it's
1: valid in itself
0: 100 mm, um kind of going off of that um have you encountered or what are some of the because i bet you've encountered some uh, what are some of the myths or misconceptions that you've encountered about either asexuality or is it aromanticism is that the noun version yep okay yep um yeah aromanticism
1: um so i don't think i've actually found any misconceptions about aromanticism mostly because nobody knows what it is (laughs) fair or I guess more accurately, the people who Mm. do know what it is, know what it is because they've done their research.
0: Yeah, then there's like a certain visibility that needs to yeah.
1: Yeah, so generally, if I talk about aromanticism, I have to I have to say, I'm aromantic which means, and then, you know, launch into my explanation of of what's going on there and a few times I haven't had to do that, it's generally been to other people who are queer themselves and have Mm. looked into labels. so there were um, I talked to two of the RAs in Jack Moss at the start of the year actually. Yeah. I, I remember them asking me like, you know, we don't want to assume that you're straight. Are you queer at all? And I said, yeah, I'm aromantic, which means, and they went, oh, we know. Okay. And that was, that was mind blowing.
0: I, I think right? I have an idea like, oh. of who. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably. I don't want to name and shame, but oh, not name and exactly. shame, but like, you know, but yeah. I, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, And but the reason they knew is because they had they were queer themselves and yeah. they were also in a position where they were meant to be open and accepting of other queer people. Yeah, And they got online and they'd done their research and found out what aromantic actually is so that they could be welcoming of aromantic people. Mm. Ace, on the other hand, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the general kind of public assumptions about what ace is are not what I've described <laughs> yeah um, I know ace isn't what I thought it was mm-hmm. and that was kind of that was part of the reason it took me so much longer to find out I was ace than Aero. was because yeah. I didn't know what ace was I thought that ace was just not want not being at all interested in having sex ever mm. which isn't accurate um, even for you know, obviously I've talked about being ace flux myself and how sometimes I don't feel asexual at all. But even for other ace people who identify just as ace, that doesn't tell you anything about their sex drive. Yeah. You know, it, it tells you that they're not sexually attracted to specific other people. But some ace people have no sex drive and that means they just you know they never think about it. And some ace people are have a large sex drive. You know, and they they because of biology, biology or chemistry or whatever is going on in their heads, they want to have sex quite a lot, <laughs> mm. but they never feel the specific need to have sex with any particular individual. Yeah. Um, and I know some other race people are sex repulsed. Mm. Just it's gross to them. It's it's not interesting. I get that sometimes. You
0: know. Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, I think the the common misconception about ace is that it it is just about whether or not you are attracted to other people sexually. and has nothing to do with whether or not you want to have sex or how you want to have sex. Yeah. Or if you want to have sex at all.
0: Yeah. Totally. And it kind of... Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you think the media um plays a good role in like authentically portraying asexual or aromantic people or either does it like rely on like negative tropes or it just or even like with aromantic does it even represent them as at all kind of a thing
1: i can't recall off the top of my head the last time i saw an ace or aro character in media. yeah um I know that, especially in some more niche areas, they do pop up. Hmm. So, for example, in the Riverdale comics, which I haven't read, um, yep. I know that Jughead is explicitly refers to himself as asexual. Okay. Um. But I also know that in the Netflix TV show, uh, he's not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's kind of annoying. Like they've they've taken this character who kind of represented this underrepresented section of society and, and took that away from him. Um, yeah. I know that bugs several of the other you know, ace people that I've talked to, hmm. but I just like I I think media is kind of in a in a situation at the moment where a lot of you know TV or film producers have realized that queer you know, people exist and. Queer people like to watch film and TV, mm. and we should put queer people in there. But often think of queer people as just lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of like what most. I think that's what most people think of when they think of queer. Mm. And that doesn't cover everyone.
0: Yeah, and even within that, there's a lot of like, uh, like to bring up intersectionality. Like, the, it's usually like white and like able-bodied and like there's even still within standards of those where yeah, like yeah. it's not yeah. yeah
1: but i yeah i, I like think the standard. point is yeah. that media is that media's kind of just figuring out that representing people is a thing that they should do yeah and hasn't kind of sunk in yet that there are so many more people to represent
0: hmm yeah Totally. Um, so you have you mentioned to me before recording this podcast that um, there might be some similarities between being aromantic and being polyamorous. Um, I was wondering if you could just expand on this and, yeah, talk a bit about that.
1: Yeah. So uh, this kind of, I, I started thinking about this when I was listening to the podcast with you and Jazzy about um, polyamory. Yeah. Yeah, you know, obviously being polyamorous and being aromantic are wildly different things because you know I'm not interested in dating anybody, and you know, Jazzy is interested in dating multiple people at the same time. You know, it's it's yeah. definitely not at all the same thing. But uh when she was talking, it, it seemed to me that we kind of approached relationships in a similar way. Mm. In that there's there's this idea of like a matter normativity, which is, you know, society kind of pressuring people to get into monogamous romantic relationships. And I've always thought of that as negatively affecting Aero people, but it also negatively affects polyamorous people because it's trying to enforce any particular relationship style on Anyone can have negative consequences, regardless of how they want to buck that trend. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I I thought that what she was talking about with you know being open and honest with partners and valuing them based on the relationship that you have with them and not kind of the label that you want to put on that relationship, and you know not not doing things because it's meant to be done that way. I thought that was all very applicable to, to both kinds of people there with both Mm. romantic
0: and Yeah, definitely. Um, and like they share, like the same or like similar, like oppressors or like kind of, um, mindsets that, um, kind of restrict the experience, um, and stuff. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And, and we, want to, we, we want to get out of that mindset in different ways. Mm. But the fact that that kind of normalized mindset exists is negative for both of us.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, talking about, like, mindsets and stuff, uh, recently there's kind of been a big surge in, like, the sex positivity movement. Um, I was just wondering how that how you kind of what your experience with that has been like and how you engage with that movement um, as um, an ace person. Um,
1: Yeah, so I I have to be a little careful with it.
0: Um, Mm. Because
1: first, firstly, I think it's fantastic, right? I think that people should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies and there shouldn't be any shame about that. You know, we we all have them. We all have different problems with them. Like we, that's something that we we just need to get over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sex yeah. is a thing that happens. Let people do it. Mm. But having said that, <laughs> sometimes what that means is that people put lewd pictures on their Twitter or talk about sex in a very descriptive way mm. in situations where that's not always. Best thing to be doing, and sometimes you know, if I'm feeling particularly sex repulsed that day, I, I don't want to be around that. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's kind of this this weird tight walk, tight rope walk of. <laughs> I I want people to feel comfortable in themselves, and I want them to do whatever makes them happy, but not always around me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of, and like I use this myself of like putting like NSFW, like not safe for work warnings on stuff like that. Is that something that is helpful when you're like having, experiencing yes. that? Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. That, that's kind of getting onto the idea of like content warnings or, or trigger warnings. And it took me a while to come around on those. Mm. Um, I, at first I kind of thought that it was, you know, lefty bullshit, but you know, now I am a lefty. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, I think content warnings, like, the point of them is is never to say that you can't say something. It's just letting other people who might find that thing uncomfortable know that you know maybe you don't want to look at this one. Mm-hmm. I can say what I want, but you don't have to listen to what you don't want to listen to.
0: Yeah,
1: and that I like. It just seems like that's an excellent way of making everyone happy. Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Um, and I've yeah, exactly. I've, I've found it helpful myself. For if I don't want to look at explicit pictures, then you know somebody spoilering it and tagging it not safe for work, sex-related, that I can just ignore. I don't yeah. know how to see it. And that's that's great.
0: <laughs> mm. 100%. Sometimes I do um, get... Oh, yeah? Uh,
1: yeah, I was just going to say that the the other thing I love about the, the sex positivity movement is that it, the fact that this is, like, higher up in people's conscious experience now, that they're, they're thinking about it more often, has made it a lot easier for me to kind of navigate conversations about what i want in relationships with them Mm. people people finding sex less shameful means that it's easier to talk to them about you know this is this is what i want this is how i approach having sex you know stuff like that so Mm.
0: yeah so there are like many positives to like yeah yeah um and also just i mean this is just like for me personally like Sometimes I'll be, like, um, like, sometimes I'll, because, like, I mean, uh, this isn't really the same thing, but with, like, warnings and stuff, like, I have, like, arachnophobia or something. Um, and so sometimes, like, I'll be on, like, Twitter and, like, there'll be, like, warning arachnophobia. But then I'll there's that still that part of my brain that's, like, ooh, something that I can't see. Let's click on it. And I'll just, like, <laughs> do that to myself. And it's, like, so weird. I don't know that's just yeah. every time like, like yeah at least
1: at least that way you go ah shit i should have known better
0: yeah as I'm slowly to learning to yeah. yeah
1: but as, as opposed to thinking that the other person's
0: a dick for kind of not yeah. letting know what's
1: going on and it's,
0: it's <laughs> 100 on me yeah. yeah which tends to be a lot of my yeah um but yeah even yeah yeah um so we've kind of um talked a bit about this but do you feel that labels accurately sum up your experiences no Mm.
1: Nope. um i think the way the way i explained this to one of my friends recently is basically that i say i'm aromantic and asexual because that's kind of the the easy baseline for what i hope that people will know what i'm talking about yeah and then you know, if you want to go a little deeper in, then I'm ace flux and fray romantic. And you know, if if you really want to know what's going on, then I need to talk to you in I need to I need to write out an essay, you know. And yeah. I need at least like four paragraphs to be able to be like, this is how I react to this kind of situation, this is how I react to this kind of situation. This is how I mm. kind of this is why I feel comfortable using these labels, even though they're not necessarily exactly right for me. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I I think that labels are a helpful kind of categorization tool to get people thinking along the right lines of what's going on but that you you can't ever really summarize people's experiences into a single word hmm. that's that's why we say things like you know not all ace people experience being ace the same that's why not all aro people experience being aro the same that's why all, not all trans people can talk for the experiences of other trans people because you know it's it's a categorization tool but that doesn't mean that it accurately reflects people's exact experiences.
0: Mm. totally. um, I definitely feel like I feel like in the early two thousand and tens, like there was like a big surge in like labels are like perfect, labels are amazing, and they labels are great um for what they achieve, but also like, some, like, some things don't have to be labeled. Some people don't have to identify with labels. Some people, like, labels, uh, they can use labels, but then it, yeah, exactly. It doesn't encompass everything, and it probably would never encompass everything. Um, labels, and yeah, as
1: I see it, they're, they're a tool for easier communication.
0: Mm. Actually, that's that's exactly. not quite
1: true. I think labels can be a little bit more helpful than that because... I, like I know for me um, trying to sort out I, I know that sometimes I feel things but it can often be difficult to understand exactly what I am feeling and like put it into words or you know consciously mm. figure out what's going on there and I know that like trying out different labels and then trying to figure out whether or not those experiences could fit under those labels helped me figure out what was going on with those feelings in the first place mm. so, you know lab- labels for me were kind of like a a diagnostic tool i guess but yeah.
0: yeah i think i think ultimately
1: the the role that they serve in in conversations in society and talking about the people is about um kind of getting onto the same page quickly yeah an accurate descriptor of experience
0: yeah 100 um are there any asexual or aromantic resources that you'd recommend for people who might be coming to terms with those labels in themselves or are just interested in learning more?
1: Um, not really,
0: <laughs>
1: mm. um, mostly cause when I was kind of going through this, you know, questioning, figuring out what's going on with myself kind of period. Um, I just did a whole bunch of Googling.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. I just, I went on Google, I, I typed in some words, I, you know, found, found some forums, like through Google and yeah. that was helpful being able to ask other people who identified with these labels, you know, what's it like for you and what kind of experiences are common among these sorts of people. Um, and I, I know the thing that made me feel really confident with who I was, was like a, I was in a discord server. Yeah. Um, I'm not anymore cause things kind of got a little shaky. Uh, not going mm. into that. <laughs> um, but just being able to like talk to and on, on a more like instant messaging kind of platform and forums and, you know, have like live conversations with other people who had similar experiences to me was I don't know, exactly what I needed to, to feel comfortable with myself.
0: Hmm. So
1: I, yeah. yeah, my, the, the resources that I would recommend is, is Google things, find mm. lists of different, um, identities that you think that you might be in, you know, try out the labels, figure out what's going on and talk to people.
0: Yeah. You can find them. yeah, 100% agree. Um, and finally, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who maybe they've just moved in on res or are still adjusting, what would that be?
1: Uh, well, unfortunately... My advice to residents would generally be to participate in a whole bunch of activities and try and make friends. And You, know, you may or may not succeed, but um, give it a go because it'll be, it'll be great if it does work. But we're kind of in lockdown at the moment and mm. uh, none of those activities are happening. So <laughs> I guess instead I'll go with eat well, do your exercise, stay sane. And when it all blows over, then try and get out there and meet some people.
0: Mm. That's that sounds good. Um and there's there's like a whole bunch of like at least in Jacko, there's a bunch of online events and stuff. That might not be your thing. Um, but there are still ways to like reach out and like Yes. Um, if you are a new
1: resident and you're subscribe. allowed to go to the new resident Zoom events doing, mm. you may or may not enjoy them, but if you don't enjoy them it's like, oh well, you know, it's an hour gone, I'll just move on with my day. And if you do enjoy them and if you like, then it will infinitely improve your res experience.
0: Yeah. 100%. Very little to lose. Mm. So that's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, And thank you so much, Thomas, for sharing your experiences and talking about um, asexuality and aromanticism. It's been really great to have that voice here on this platform. Um, Yeah. I I probably should stop asking this, but is there anything that you want to plug? Like it could be social media or it could be like any projects you have going on. I just thought I'd ask in case you there's like one thing uh, that you're like, ooh, let me advertise this.
1: Look, I, I should have projects that I want to plug, <laughs> but I don't currently because I haven't been working on them. So...
0: Oh, good. I that's an, That's a quarantine mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah um well yeah make sure to tune in next fortnight where we'll be talking about another really important issue i hope you all have a really great week thanks y'all bye